Welcome to the Formed in the Word podcast, a production of the Augustine Institute. Your hosts, Dr. Jim Prothro and Dr. Israel McGrew, will review the lectionary readings for this Sunday's Mass, explain their context, and help you to appreciate the Church's wisdom in selecting them. Hi, welcome to Formed in the Word. Uh, this is a new series here on Form, where we're going to start this Advent going through the lectionary readings ahead of time uh, for all of you. I'm Dr. James Prothro. This is Dr. Israel McGrew uh, on the faculty here at the Augustine Institute. Um, and uh, uh, Dr. McGrew, Israel, will be able to talk to us in a minute uh, about why we're here. I'm going to start us off with prayer, and we'd invite you to join us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We pray, Lord, that you would sanctify us in the truth. Your word is the truth. Send upon us your Holy Spirit, that as we read the words that you have inspired for our salvation and our instruction would be to us not only signs on the page, but channels of grace and love into our hearts, that they would form us uh, as we understand and as we share the faith that you have granted to us. Through Jesus Christ, amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right. Well, as Jim mentioned, I'm Israel McGrew, and this is Jim Prothrow. And both Jim and I had the... Um, the fortune to have the experience in our formation in our undergraduate and days and time in uh, graduate school as well of sitting in seminars where we would sit with the lectionary readings and work through some of them in Greek or Hebrew and just sit around and talk about the different themes that are going uh, in between the different readings and really reflect on the wisdom of the church in arranging the lectionary thus. And uh, Jim has also had the opportunity to preach quite a few um, Sundays, and I've had the chance to sit down with the priest and just go through these readings. And we desired to um, facilitate such an entrance into the lectionary on a, on a broader scale, um, hopefully for priests as they prep for their homilies, but also for just engaged lay people who want to be formed by the word, um, as the church has laid it out in the lectionary in her providential wisdom. So that's where, what we're hoping to do here, um, to take some of the fruits of our Hebrew and Greek education and our time in prayer just sitting with these texts um, in order to lead you into these texts deeper. Yeah, and it's... Um... Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I find that um, going through the lectionary is, is is such a blessing on the one hand because of the church's wisdom, but on the other hand, sometimes you when you when you don't kind of have a key to put it all together, it feels like you like have to read the church's mind mm. um, uh, to to sort of piece together each bit, and and sometimes that's harder or easier in different seasons than others. Um, but it's real. It's it's. I'm excited that we're able to start this. Uh, in Advent especially, um, of course, it's fitting because it's the beginning of the church year, right? This is when it starts. But also Advent is uh, uh, one of the times when the lectionary just kind of bounces a lot. Um, you know, at other times, maybe an ordinary time, right, you might be able to follow through kind of one large narrative like Genesis in the daily readings or something like that. Um, and in the Sunday readings, you might follow through, like, okay, we're doing, you know, large swaths of the Gospel of Luke, you know. 
um, uh, or in the epistle, right? We're going to cover a large part of, you know, we're going to do most of Colossians this, this month, right? Um, but when you get to Advent, they're all themed. And so the readings from the Old Testament are all keyed to the gospel reading, and the gospel reading is keyed to the theme for the week, and then the epistle reading is as well. So you don't, you, 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 if you've prepared one week to think really hard about uh, um, Romans, right, because there's a reading from the epistle to the Romans from St. Paul, and then the next week you might jump quite out of that, right, or, mm-hmm. or jump to a whole different section of Romans. And so um, uh, w- we get a wonderful opportunity here to be able to think together, think with the mind of the church, and also to bring... Um, a, a little bit more of our own expertise, right, and our experience and our love for the lectionary readings through kind of being both of us biblical scholars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I don't know about you, but I find uh, when talking to people, even when they have the heart of the church and the mind of the church generally, sometimes when they come to the lectionary, um, they they know what's true and they know what's there, but they don't actually always know exactly how the words that are on the page fit into what they know is true, mm-hmm. right? Or what the theme of the Sunday is, right? They, so they kind of like, they find, maybe you find like one line and you go, okay, here's the line, your king is coming to you. Okay, good. Now I can do all my normal thinking about kinging, but there's actually a whole lot in the passages that are chosen for us that is really rich to help us think about it with the way, in the way that the church wants us to think that Sunday. So, and sometimes yeah. there's things in the text that you really don't know what to do with. That yeah, very true. Yeah, that's <laughs> and right. so it takes a, it helps a little bit to take a look at maybe what Isaiah 11 is doing in the context of Isaiah 10 through 12 or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, no, that's right. So with with uh, so with all that, um, maybe we could talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, sort of Advent overall, and then we can talk about the first week, and then we can jump into the readings? Please do. I'm good? Okay. Um, so for, for Advent, just as a refresher, our liturgical readings and the season of the year brings us to think about the coming of the Lord. And one of the things that's easy to miss when at the second that October rolls around, there's either Halloween or Christmas in every store is uh, that, that that Advent actually is not just about getting prepped for Christmas and doing our Christmas shopping, or even really only for getting ready for the celebration of Jesus' first coming. It's actually about Jesus' second coming. So when you go to Advent and you're preparing, you think you're preparing for Christmas, and suddenly you start hearing all these passages about the king is coming, he's going to judge the living and the dead, and the priest is wearing purple, just like he does in Lent, because it's a time for right uh, 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 where we're invited to penance. And you might go, what, "What's that about? I thought I was going to church because it's Christmas." Well, it's because that's what the season is about. Um, so the Catechism puts it this way, right? The Church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year. This is paragraph five twenty four. Um, and the, we're renewing our ardent desire for Christ's second coming. And doing that, we also not only read passages in the New Testament about Jesus' return, right, when after Jesus has come, they're talking about him coming back, also read passages from the Old Testament about his first coming, right, because we are kind of, in a way, seated in a similar situation to ancient Israel while they're waiting for the Messiah to come the first time, that we're waiting for him to come back the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the church says, the, the whole quote is this, when the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present 
the ancient expectancy of the Messiah, right? Israel looking forward to his coming, for, here's the reason, by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. And so that's the kind of posture we want our hearts to be in and that the readings are all meant to uh, kind of help us explore um, uh, during these weeks in Advent. And uh, the, there's also themes for each week uh, with the different candles. We've got a nice little uh, Advent wreath back here, uh, just one candle at a time because you, can, you can't have too many candles, <laughs> at least on a TV set. Yeah. Um, but the, the first week is, is hope. Mm -hmm. um, is that uh, looking ahead uh, to what's coming. So or do you have more that you want to throw in on Advent, or do you want to just get in? Oh, let's get into some text in. here. All right, let's do it. She wanted to so. start with the Gospel this week, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so the Gospel reading for the first Sunday in Advent is from the Gospel according to Matthew, and it's in chapter 24. And it comes after Jesus has been talking about um, the coming of the Son of Man. And he, so again, so, very much in this second coming context. That's right, yeah. So he's there, and he's uh, preparing to go be crucified in just a couple of, well, chapters in, in, the, in the book. Um, and he's telling everybody about his second coming, both the tragedy that's going to come upon Jerusalem soon, but also... Uh, telling people about his own return uh, coming on the clouds with glory and the angels, right? So for, for Judgment Day, right? Uh, and this is what we profess to believe every time in the Nicene Creed, every Sunday, right? We say, I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come, or in the Apostles' Creed, right, that he uh, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. So Jesus says uh, that it's going to be like the days of Noah, like the days of Noah, and a little bit different. And he's telling people to get ready for his coming. And so he says that the coming of the Son of Man right, will be like it was in the days of Noah. Because in the days of Noah, until Noah got into the ark, people were what, just going about their business. Right? Just living life. They were getting married. They were marrying their kids off. They were going shopping. They were you know, doing all the things that you do. Just assuming the present order would go on. Exactly. Indefinitely. Yeah, just everybody's kind of like, yeah, sir, we're here today and we'll be here tomorrow and we'll be here the next day and that's just kind of how life is. Um, but he said, no, well, but when the flood came, right, surprise. Right? Decisive judgment, decisive salvation. Exactly. God's decisive judgment, decisive salvation. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, uh, uh, so he says it will be like that. Right? And he says it's going to be like that when the Son of Man returns except that the separation, instead of being kind of the whole world versus the eight people in Noah's family, like the first time, this time it's just going to create a division right between every possible group. It's mm -hmm. going to be two people, two ladies sitting at the mill, you know, and grinding there, and one will be taken away and one left behind. Two people will be in the market, both doing the same thing. One will be taken away and one left behind. Um, so the coming of the Son of Man will be swift, and in the next section here, he says, therefore, stay awake. Right? Just being in Noah's family won't do it for you. Right? And just having sort of 
known that you were kind of in the Christian family somehow won't necessarily do it for you either, right? If that doesn't actually touch your heart and your faith and your works, your, your life, right? Stay awake and be about the business of Jesus and be ready um, because he's going to come at a time that you don't know, but he's going to take longer than you think he will. Mm-hmm. It's also really interesting that the coming is in the hour of the night. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, the, well, the night is the time when you are least inclined to be awake. Right? You're most inclined to be sleepy and not vigilant. And this theme really runs actually throughout all of our scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, all of our readings for this week is this kind of light and darkness, day and night. Um, and it, it's also perhaps not coincidental, but providential that you know, the season of Advent, as we are in fact approaching the winter solstice mm. um, and the nights are longer, that we are um, having to make sure that we are vigilant and keep our eyes on the light, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's right. And um, the the image that he uses here, I'm just going to um, uh, read uh, translating out of here. Um, so he says, therefore, stay awake for you don't know at what hour your Lord is coming. Um, and it's worth remembering that the word Lord, to us, it can just sound like a name, right? Like um, Either in our songs or in other things like that. But the, the word Lord, both in English and in, in the Greek, isn't just a name, even though it's what we call him, right? It means that he's the master, that he's the guy in charge, right? Mm-hmm. He's the head honcho, he's the jefe. Um, and so he moves immediately from saying, right, your Lord, meaning me, to saying, um, right, this is just like a master of the house, right? Or somebody who runs the house for his Lord, perhaps. Um, and he says, know this, if a master of the house knew at which watch of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and wouldn't have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also should be ready, for you don't know uh, the hour at which the Son of Man is coming. And so, in this passage and then in lots of other places in Scripture, we hear the phrase thief in the night, Mm -hmm. right, in the darkness. Just at the time when you think, okay, I can take it easy, I can let my hair down, I'm done, right? He says, well, that's when the thief shows up, and the coming of the Son of Man will be like that, right? That it will come and it will sort of, uh, uh, it'll it'll be a shock. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody knows the day or the hour. Now, this isn't about like, because you might say like, well, but I have locks on my doors, so isn't that good enough, you know, as long as I can wake up if I need to, right, or something like that. Put a little bell on the door. Or yeah, put a little bell on the door, right, get a dog, right. Can I get a dog and he'll tell me that Jesus yeah. is coming back, right? Your Google Nest will right. alert your phone. <laughs> That's right. Um, but what he's telling everybody is to get ready, right, and be constantly ready in their hearts, right, and in our lives and our sacramental life, right, for his arrival. Right? So mm-hmm. um, uh, one application of this might easily be, um, hey, it's Advent, or hey, it's Tuesday, uh, or in this case today, it happens to be Thursday. Um, don't put confession off. You should go. Because it's coming back, and it might be 20 seconds from now. And your particular judgment might come, right? The light right. fixture might fall on us. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Our own our own death may come even if he doesn't yeah. come back. Um, 
so uh, uh, being constantly vigilant, constantly ready, right? Mm-hmm. You can still take a nap, but don't take a spiritual nap, yeah. right? Don't say, well, I'm on vacation, so I, can, I don't need to go to Mass, and I don't need to pray, right? Or say, well, I'm busy this week. So or I'll, I'll work on that habit later. Yeah, I'll work. I'll, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'll fix that habit later. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but in, in, in this way, the gospel reading tells us a whole lot and kind of keys us in for everything. On the other hand, there's a sense in which the gospel reading only sort of points us into the season, but it doesn't give us a whole lot of content. Right? We are told that he's coming, that it's going to be quick, and that we should get ready right? and be constantly aware. And yet the reading itself, without all the other stuff in the Gospel of Matthew or in Scripture, doesn't tell us what kind of king he'll be, mm-hmm. the particular ways in which we should uh, be preparing ourselves, the particular kinds of things we should be putting off of ourselves like we just did. And, and for that, then, um, if we're reading all the readings together, we can actually jump to the Old Testament reading yeah. in the epistle, right? Yeah, so um, we have a fantastic reading from Isaiah 2. Right? In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain, right? It's a, not a, I don't think that's a description of seismic activity, uh, so much as just the world recognizing um, the esteem, the glory, the honor of Jerusalem. Um, and there's this uh, kind of beautiful exchange in that all the nations and all the peoples are streaming towards the mountain as instruction is streaming away from the mountain. Um, there's these two movements. So can you kind of paint the picture for us? Like, like if you were telling it as a story or you were kind of painting it, how would you, how would you invite people to visualize it, yeah. Isaiah's words here? Well, I mean, the, the instruction is literally streaming or rivering away from the mountain as that root is this kind of image. And, of course, there actually was a stream that came out of the Temple Mount. Mm. And, you know, this is an important image um, in the book of Ezekiel and in the Gospel of John. Right, this life-giving stream that comes from the side of the temple or the side of Christ mm. in his uh, wound in the ribs. Um, but the reciprocation is all of the nations and all of the peoples streaming towards the mountain, right? Um, having heard this instruction, this actually Torah, right? This is the word for the law, the instruction, or the first five books of the Bible, um, which is what Israel was called to teach to the world so that the world, in fact, uh, could walk in God's paths, could be instructed, right, Torahed in his ways. And I think it's also worth noting that uh, Christianity's first name mm. was the way, right? It was following Jesus in the way as he goes on the way to Jerusalem, as he goes on the way of the cross. And so this is actually the way that the Torah is ultimately instructing us in. And, you know, I always want to ask, you know, uh, I'm a pious Jew, um, what they think of this passage? Because you don't have to be a Christian to acknowledge that historically this has happened, mm-hmm. right? All nations, in fact, do go to Jerusalem precisely because of the instruction of Christ. Right? I think it's a, just an incredible passage for that reason. It's also uh, worth pointing out that Isaiah here is you know, he's not talking to us, well, the Holy Spirit's talking to us through it, um, but if we think of this in its 8th century context, Isaiah is essentially calling Israel to fulfill Israel's vocation. 
And we can think about this in reference especially to the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants, mm-hmm. right? Because in the Abrahamic covenant, you know, God called Abraham and through Abraham's seed wanted to bless all of the nations. And here we have an image of Israel fulfilling that vocation, blessing all of the nations through the instruction of the Torah, right? which is the Mosaic covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Keep my commandments and you will be a holy nation and a priestly kingdom. By keeping the commandments, um, they can themselves become a kind of a living instantiation Mm. of those commandments and effect the conversion of the world. This is what Isaiah is calling them to. Um, Obviously, if you're reading Isaiah 1 or Isaiah 3, or even the second half of Isaiah 2, um, they don't always live up to that vocation. Mm. But this is the the prophetic call. So in the, in the next couple of verses, so looking at verses um, 4 and 5, so we've talked about the Lord and, and all the nations are saying, let's go up to the mm-hmm. mountain of the Lord so that he can teach us his ways and we'll walk in his paths. And then it, it talks kind of about, about, about who he is, right? So he shall judge between the nations, decide disputes for many peoples, um, kind of like Moses in uh, uh, Exodus 18 or uh, like the judges, or like the kings, like King David, where he's sort of deciding mm-hmm. disputes and bringing justice. So he'll, uh, so he's going to bring justice, but then also like a, a, I mean, a kind of peace that the world hasn't really ever yeah. known. Right? They'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nation won't lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And this again goes to Israel's peculiar vocation. Right? Mm. They're called to be a peculiar polity. Not a nation that takes part in making war, but a nation which, rather than making war, um, gives themselves to holiness. And in giving themselves to the law, becomes a law for the nations, right? In receiving the Lord's instruction, actually participates in God's instruction and conversion of the world. And I think it's... It's really important to know uh, where the reading ends in this regard. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. By giving themselves to the instruction of the Lord, um, they walk in the light. And by giving themselves to the construction and walking in the light, they facilitate the instruction of the world. They actually become the light amongst the world, amongst the nations. So would it be would it be accurate to say uh, if we we're going to try to like put this together with the gospel reading that on the one hand he he's coming down and and also is inviting us up right the, yeah the, the judge is coming he's going to bring justice mm-hmm. he'll right all wrongs in his second coming um, at, but but also right fulfilling in Christ right this call for the people of God. Uh, to, to be taught by him and to teach the rest of the world justice mm-hmm. and this peculiar kind of peace that we're now called to go up to him by doing the same kinds of things, right? Yeah, and I think it's also worth considering that compared to next week where the focus will be on the, the son of David, right? The mm-hmm. ideal Davidic king through whom God um, spreads his knowledge and salvation. Um, here, the Lord himself is the agent, Mm, the Lord the himself is the judge mm-hmm. who establishes justice and peace. No, that's right. 
and that's our that's our our, our psalm kind of fits in with this too, right? So yeah. our, our psalm today is Psalm 122, um, and we're 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 both looking at the ESVCE here, um, but but it's 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 about the joy of of going up, right? And about mm-hmm. how solid Jerusalem is and God's reign as King there, right? That 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 for us is coming again in Jesus Christ and is here now through His Spirit in the church. So I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord, right? So, hey, let's go up. It's like the psalm is like inviting us, right? After we've heard the Old Testament reading, and before we get to the gospel, the song is inviting us to go up. Right? Jerusalem is built as a city that's bound firmly together, right? And all the tribes go up to give thanks to the Lord, and the thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Yeah, and just to put this uh, psalm in its own historical context, um, this is pretty certainly a post-exilic psalm. Mm, So this is after Jerusalem has been destroyed Mm. and after it's been rebuilt. And so it's it's the celebration of Jews on the other side of the exile, well, on our side of the exile, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, who are going to rebuild Jerusalem. And uh, both in verse 4, right, the ESV says, to which the tribes go up, and in verse 5, the thrones for judgment were set. Um, Those are both perfects. Those are both past tense. Um, Hebrew grammar is a little squishy, as you know. Um, but I think that the the point of it being in the past tense here is that the prayer, the psalmist, is actually remembering what Jerusalem... So it's both what Jerusalem is and they have come back to, but also it's in remembrance of what Jerusalem was and is not yet exactly. Um, most of the tribes have been lost to history. Mm, mm, mm. And so the tribes used to go up, and this is what Jerusalem should be, um, but the other 10 tribes are never uh, recovered in any substantial way. And so it's only ultimately in the church um, that all of Israel can return uh, to Jerusalem. And also the thrones of judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. This again would be something that was the case in the past, but wouldn't have been in the psalmist's present. Mm. And so the psalm itself is rejoicing and being restored to Jerusalem. But it's also recalling two details from their past that they're expecting to be restored. Mm. Mm. Um, Next week's reading from Isaiah will be very much about the restoration of the north and the south and Israel together. and it will, of course, be very much about the restoration of the Davidic dynasty. But, you know, we've been like, what is it? I'm very good at math, like 2,600 years without a Davidic dynasty. Mm. We're still waiting. And um, the, the feeling of lack was acute mm. in this time period. And the editing of the Psalter itself reflects this kind of forward messianic desiring, this realization that Israel, Jerusalem, has not been restored fully. Mm-hmm. So it's in that way, it's on the one hand, a psalm of, uh, maybe we could say like defiant hope, right? Not defying God, but defying, right? All of the, all of the doubts and the pains uh, that you might experience from yeah. looking at things the way they are and knowing that they should be different. Because it's, let, let's go up rejoicing to the house of the mm-hmm. Lord, right? Where all of the tribes used to go up, but now we still can, and we're waiting on that, that exactly. fullness to be restored. And that's, in a way, that's kind of the, the psalm really, with that uh, perspective that you just brought, kind of 
speaks to us in our own situation, right? Absolutely. Because we know we know the king has won. We know the Lord reigns over everything, but we also know that there's there's a big not yet mm-hmm. next to that uh, that already, right? Yeah. It's that it, it's 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 not it's not full yet, right? We're mm-hmm. still looking forward to the return of the Lord and the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Right? Yeah. We're still looking forward to the fullness of what's been promised. Yeah, and so the, the shape of the Psalter itself, right, as it historically developed, um, does end with the Book 5 and this messianic bent. Um, and in a way, we're actually in much the same posture as the Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the papal document on, on the Jewish people and their scriptures mm-hmm. that points out the fact that, well, the Jews are looking for their Messiah to come, and we're looking for the Messiah to come. That's we right. think he's already come once, but we're both actually still looking for that final coming. Yeah, to come back. That's right. Um, well, so if I could, if I could maybe pivot us here um, uh, in our last few minutes. So we've we've talked about the promise in the gospel reading that he is coming, um, and then we've been able to look at our kind of present hope, and then uh, uh, the the vision of God's instruction, His justice coming forth. Uh, the people's coming up to it, streaming to it, right, like a river, um, just as instruction streams out. If if I were to think about this in terms of like, okay, so it's Tuesday, right? We mentioned like go to confession, right, other things like that, um, kind of sacramentally. But like, what what ought I to we be pursuing? We've talked about peace, but I don't have any swords to beat into plowshares, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not fighting anybody at the moment, like in big wars. We talked about justice, but that's that 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 that's really big. Yeah, big abstract. That's right. Um, our reading from Paul's letter to the Romans draws us into another way to look at our sort of day to day calling to be looking ahead and getting ready. Um, so this, this comes in Romans thirteen, and it's especially uh, starting in verse eleven through fourteen. But it's worth noting the context around this. So. Uh, in Romans chapters 12 and 13, right? Paul has talked in Romans about like, the problem of sin uh, that affects Jews and Gentiles, right? Israel and the nations. He's talked about the coming of Christ, who's a new Adam, who draws everybody together um, uh, in grace, right? Who was we were always together in sin, right? And then he draws <laughs> us together in grace to reverse the effects of Adam's fall. Um, and then starting in chapter 12, right? He says, okay, so. Right. How should we live filled with the Holy Spirit in the church, right? Well, serving each other with our different spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives us. Um, and then he talks about unhypocritical love, genuine mm-hmm. love, right? Love love that's not put on, right? <clears throat> uh, and that leads him through talking about, like, how to treat one another, how to treat enemies, right? How to deal with the state, right? Who, for the Christians at the time and for most Jews, right, was fairly oppressive mm-hmm. in chapter 13, right? But pay your taxes. Um, but then he comes back right after that. And actually, right before he says the thing he's going to say in our reading, uh, he comes back to love and he says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. So this is Romans 13, 8, right? For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Because you got commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't write all these things. And he says, "Well, all of them are fulfilled in one word: mm-hmm. love one another as your, love your neighbor as yourself." And that's when he turns to the reading and he says, "You need to do that, and you need to get about it now, mm-hmm. because 
well, as he says here in verse 11, our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed and when we first came to faith, right? Paul's, Paul's thinking on linear lines here, right? We came to faith, and now every day that the Lord has not returned is a day closer to when he will, because he's going to do it. It's that so, Irish song, yeah. <laughs> The longer you live, the sooner you will die. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's, good. That's a good one. Um, yeah, so, so he's calling us positively to love, right? But love is self-giving. And so, right, what's the other side of that, right? If we still have sin and inclinations to sin lingering in us um, and desires of the flesh, right, evil ones that, that incline us to act selfishly, not obediently to God's commands— not to sacrifice ourselves for our neighbors, not to give of ourselves, and not to give ourselves to the Lord. He says, look, you know the time. It's time to wake up. Our salvation is closer to us now than when we first believed. Night's gone. The dawn is already beginning. So then, this is one of Augustine's favorite verses, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So to put on the armor of light, we've got to also put off right, mm-hmm. all of the works of darkness and evil. And then he lists several of them. Right? Let's walk properly or becomingly as in the daytime, right? not in the night where right, the, the thief will come in so we might relax, but also mm-hmm. if we're morally relaxing at night, right, we might go like, oh, okay, good. I was a good boy during the day. Now I'm going to do shameful go, things in the cover of darkness. Exactly, do the shameful things under the cover of darkness. So he says, not living in orgies or drunkenness, not with sexual immorality or lust, right, sensuality, and not with quarreling and jealousy against each other. Right? But he says, <laughs> put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And this is where our practices of penance right come in. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I and and I think it's beautiful to, especially if we keep in mind that the few verses right before our reading from Romans, because um, sometimes penance, you know, can feel like, okay, well, Jesus is coming back, so feel bad about yourself, right? <laughs> Be mean to yourself. And I, I mean... But if, really the <laughs> the image of a coming dawn is an image of hope, right? which is the week's theme. Yeah. And so I suppose Christ's coming is a fearful thing to those who um, are delighting in the night and want to continue acting in this way. And have not, you know, streamed towards Jerusalem, giving themselves to the Lord's way and the Lord's instruction. Mm. Um, but for us, this is a, a beautiful image of hope. That's right. And 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 um, I mean, instruction is a is a similar kind of idea, right? Like nobody, mm-hmm. my I got a I got a daughter whom I love very much, and I'm going to tell a story on her, so I hope she doesn't <laughs> watch this. Um, but but she really doesn't like being corrected on her homework. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, imagine that, right? <laughs> but what is it? What's what's the book of Proverbs say, right? The fool despises instruction, but the wise man loves correction. Right? And this is a spiritual work of mercy. Yeah, it's spiritual mercy to correct people and also then to correct ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. To kind of anticipate God's discipline or judgment on us uh, so that we don't have to have things that we're too attached to taken from us, but that we detach ourselves from them, whether it's food or our money, right, by giving alms uh, or our time, or a pride, right, in prayer. The Lord's Prayer starts us off uh, is like built-in humility. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, so, uh, so thinking about penance and particular penances in Advent, even just the traditional ones of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, uh, they fit right here in Romans 13 
in what Paul is saying about making no provision for our fleshly desires, not gratifying our selfishness, but instead right, casting those things off and training ourselves in self-giving love, right? by which we imitate the Lord who is the king and who mm-hmm. instructs us from Zion. Yeah, and, and it's a, a joyful uh, movement, right? streaming towards That's right. the Lord's yes. house. Let us rejoice and go up to the mountain. Mm-hmm. So, all right, wonderful. Do you have, right. have any concluding reflections? I think we about covered it. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. well, thanks very much for yeah. being with us here and formed in the Word. Uh, God bless you and your study of His Word, and we'll see you for next week. Have a blessed week. This has been a Formed in the Word podcast, a production of the Augustan Institute. For more inspiring and informative content like this, please visit formed.org.